waters which scripture tells us will flow from us, constantly flowing from us, in the week and in our lives and to those around us. And then as we come together as a church on a Sunday, those streams are flowing still. And we, and we have what we had tonight, where people are being prayed for and set free from things, which is incredible. That's what we want, right? We don't want to go into another year still struggling with the same stuff. When God promises us freedom, I know from my own life I've walked in things for many years that I didn't need to. And a lot of us, I think we do that. I, I still do feel like there were probably a lot of people who didn't come forward for prayer, and that's fine. It's a process, but maybe in the weeks to come we can get around you as leaders or elders, or even in your comm groups, I want to encourage you guys to be praying for one another intentionally. Okay, don't just go through this, to, the, to the motions that come. Because we, uh, you know, come, come should be a time where we're getting together and finding God, finding His presence in worship or in the Word. Okay. Okay. Just quickly, before I share a little few stories from Holland, which was awesome, or the, the Netherlands, sorry. Why do we call it Holland? They actually asked them that. They were like, we don't know. Because we call it the Netherlands. I thought, cool, we call it Holland. Anyway, um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was being prayed for by a mentor of mine in the Netherlands, Rich and Sue. And while he was praying for the church, actually praying for what God was doing in Musenberg, I had these words in my mind, um, don't get stuck, or don't get set in your ways. That was, that was the thing that came to mind. Don't get set in your ways. And uh, I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, what does that mean? And uh, obviously I know what it means, but I do feel for us as the church, we're still quite young, we're two years old. And uh, as a two-year-old church, we have the opportunity now to not get set in our ways. And so as a young church, let's now find what God wants to do and find the Spirit, move with the Spirit, as opposed to going, well, we know how to do church, so let's do church. Because I don't think that is what God wants for Musenberg and for the Deep South at all. I think He wants the Holy Spirit to move and for there to be stuff happening in the church and for it to be alive. I think unfortunately, and I say this very carefully, that churches that get stuck in systems often lose the heart of what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And they just keep going because, hey, I, know, I can write a sermon pretty easily. In fact, I could write sermons for the next 10 years and I would love writing them because I love writing. I mean, sermon prep for me is like, probably the best thing in the world right now, apart from my wife and my kids. <laughs> God, family, sermon prep. Like, you get those commentaries out and you're like, eee, and it all just falls into place and it's, it's amazing. But I, it can be a crutch for me. It can be a system that I know I can do. And so I can write a sermon that is a great sermon and you will come to me often and go, that was a fantastic sermon. But I don't know how much space I left for the Holy Spirit to move in that sermon. I don't say that in a bad way, because I'm always asking the Holy Spirit while I'm preparing, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? But the danger is that I can deliver that thing so well that actually I leave no space for the Holy Spirit. I hope that makes sense. So, as a church, the challenge is not to get set in our ways. That is why we came forward. And it's not about outward things. It's not about jumping in worship or doing a cartwheel. Maybe it is. Maybe the Holy Spirit says do a cartwheel. I mean, maybe Maria will probably do it. <laughs> okay. But it's not about that. It's about what's happening inside your heart. Okay. All right. So I do feel for that for the church, and I will keep talking into that for the rest until we've, I feel like we're in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
Okay, so um, I'm not going to talk for long. Put my timer on. I'm going to give myself 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I know, I know, it's hectic. It's because I haven't written the sermon. That's why I can say that. Uh, I just really wanted to share a little bit about what God is doing in the church and what we saw, um, which was amazing. Okay, let's go 25 minutes. Are you cool with that? 25 minutes. <laughs> 35 minutes. Everyone's 35 minutes. I can do 35 minutes. Who wants 40? 40? 45? 50? 50? Let's go hour. Hour? <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of resistance here. Yes, you guys are hectic. Eh? I've been going for two weeks. You should be going, Dylan, preach as long as you want. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so funny. I said it for 25 seconds. That would have been the, sh- <laughs> that would have been the shortest sermon ever. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so I haven't prepared a sermon because I wanted to share what God is doing in the church as we went overseas. So um, we were lucky enough to go to the Netherlands to visit the church there, and they were having a conference. So we went to... Uh, a little place called Odovata, which is really, it really is the countryside. Like, there's not much there other than the church. So we had a very specific task. We're like, let's go visit the church. And we knew people there. And we wanted to see what was happening. Because often you hear stories of what's happening in churches overseas. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, sounds too good to be true. And then you, you actually have the opportunity to go there. And you see what God is doing, which is incredible. Okay, so we went and we stayed with a couple called Bernie and Geeton. And we knew them from before. So Bernie lived with us for a year while she was doing probably something quite similar to Wawam. So a year of your life, she was staying with us in our home, uh, got to know her, and she got married. And uh, they felt the call to go to the Netherlands. Now, often we feel the call to go somewhere where we've been somewhere. So I've been to Mauritius, and after I came back, I felt the call to Mauritius quite strongly. Okay, but, but the thing is, they'd never left the country. So they are in South Africa, which, I mean, weather-wise, it's pretty good. Like, it's pretty temperate. It's quite warm. They feel God leading them to a little country town in the Netherlands in the middle of winter. So they arrive, and uh, who's here, who here's from a cold country? Okay, what is, what is, what is, where, where are you from? Germany. Germany. Okay, so close. Okay, close. There were days when I couldn't speak because my whole face was frozen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, I'd be walking down the street going, I can't speak anymore. Can we please go home? And then they were laughing at me. So they leave South Africa and go to the Netherlands, the little town, to join a church they've never been to and to build family with people they've never met. Okay. And you go, only God. And that just brings that scripture of Matthew 19 to mind where it says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives of children or friends for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And so this young couple goes to this foreign country and we go over and they want to host us and we get to their flat and it's tiny and modest and we're in there and they say, stay in our bedroom. And I'm I'm very good at giving. I'm not very good at receiving. I don't know if anyone's like that. It's very easy to give, I hate to say it, but it feels great to give someone money. But to get money, you're like, oh, no, no, I'm fine, and I'm good, I'm good. 
But they gave us their bedroom. They slept in the lounge on a little camper, like the tiniest little fold-out couch I've ever seen. And they were incredible. They were like, please, we want to host you. And they fed us, and they drove us, and they did everything for us, which was amazing. And you kind of see something of this thing of the book of Acts where it talks about all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good they shared with anyone who was in need. And so we as foreigners were in this country in need and we found family. It literally found like we, felt like we found family. We were in family in the Netherlands with a young deacon couple in the church, which was amazing. I was blown away by that. So, I was, Anyway, so we get there and we unpack and it's all cool and it's cold. And uh, we go to the conference, which was great. And I would encourage you to listen to the sessions from the conference because uh, Jonathan Stansfield shared, Ryan Kingsley shared, Chris Staple shared, and Peter from the, the Dutch church shared as well, which was amazing. And uh, it was great. Like, the conference was great. Like, but, but what you can do with conferences, you can kind of stay towards the back. And you can choose how involved you get. And uh, I probably sat more towards the back just because it was a foreign country and it was a little bit different. And I was like, okay, this is... But, uh, but the preaching was outstanding. And the challenges that were set were outstanding. And you kind of left every session going like, wow, this is incredible input. Like, this is awesome. But we weren't actually there for the conference as much as we were just to see and look at the lives of the people in the church. Like, that's really what impacted me more than going to the conference. Like, and I'll share some stories of what happened at the conference. But, you know, we were there, and then the last night after the conference, we went to friends of ours' house called Richard and Sue. And, yeah, amazing couple. They were elders in Josh Jane. Richard is Dutch, so they went back to the Netherlands to help the church there. And uh, we're sitting around a table uh, having dinner, we were going to have dinner, and this young guy walks in called Avert, and I was like, I don't know this guy, this is awkward, like, why are they inviting people to our last supper? I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm terrible, I'm like, I've just experienced family, I'm like, why is this guy here? Anyway, so he comes, and we, we start talking, and uh, so on the Sunday, he had felt that he needed to leave his job to go to Benoni to join Rooted, which is a discipleship school. Okay, he's 30 years old, he's like, okay, I'm leaving Holland. Netherlands and uh and he feels God stirring him strongly so he he goes to the elders and they're like cool well if this is God then we don't stop you go for it he uh, has to go to his parents his parents are like I don't understand in fact he, he said he did his words my dad couldn't speak but at the end of it his dad was supportive I'm like okay you can go like it's fine we support you and so that was the Sunday. So he, he has an interview and he speaks to the guys at the Rooted School. I'm just showing you their level of, of, of hunger for what's going on in the churches. and what They want more of God. They so badly want more of God and to learn and to mature and to grow in the things of God. So he goes to them and he goes, guys, I'm so keen to come to Rooted. It's going to be amazing. Give me four weeks just to wrap up some things. I need to go to my sister's wedding. And as they're talking, they actually all feel... No, I need to go on Tuesday. And so in two days, he wraps up his whole life in obedience to Christ, leaves it all behind and catches a plane on the Wednesday. And so we meet with him the night before. And we're like, why are you here? Like, 
Well, I, yeah, and he's like, I'm going to go see my parents later, but I need to just spend some time with the church. And so he spends time with strangers, because most of us, let's be honest, if we're leaving the next day, we'd go straight to our parents or our friends and hang out with them. He comes to spend time with people in the church, and we sit around a table having a great dinner, and then we have communion. And as we're having communion, I'm struck by this thought of like, man, there's South Africans, uh, a few Dutch people, and an English person, and we're from all these different countries, and we're sitting around this table sharing in the body and the blood. And then you go, this thing is so much bigger than the local church and what we know. It is global, like we, even with Wowam, like this thing is massive. And the call is massive. He doesn't say go out to just your neighbor. He says go out into all the world. And so you have three nations represented in this place sharing the body and the blood, communion, remembering Christ and what he's done for us. And I'm just, I was hit by that more than the conference, going like, oh, this is overwhelming. What is happening here and what the call of the gospel is. And so we, we finish communion and we, uh, we start praying for him afterwards. We, we gather around him and pray for him. And as we're praying for him, I have this thought of this scripture in the book of Acts, if I can find it. Uh, oh, yeah, so Acts 13.3 says, So after they had fasted and prayed, the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. And obviously it's talking about Paul and Barnabas and the, the church gathering around them to pray for them. But it's this amazing picture of the church sending out a young man to do the work of the gospel. And it felt like we weren't commissioning, but God was commissioning him that night. And it was a holy, I promise you it was a holy moment. Like it was freezing outside, there was a fire going, and there was something of the holiness of God in this moment going, this man's life has been called to more than just staying in his job, having security, and doing the thing. I mean, hear what I'm saying? That was his call. Okay, I'm not telling us all to become missionaries and go to other countries. But don't, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, to be honest, when I came back from Europe, I was like, I'm so moving to Europe. And you know why? Because everything works. <laughs> it's the stupidest reason. It's like, you push the button and it works. You're like, what? This is insane. And then you walk across the street and the cars stop. And you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, like I, I, you go to you go to a zebra crossing and you just look at it, you just look at it, and the car's like, Arr! you're like, I went to, <laughs> I went to a zebra crossing on Main Road the other day. I literally, I did a test. I literally stood there, and the cars just kept going, like no one stopped, like I literally until you go like this and half. Anyway, so <laughs> I was like. I'm moving to Europe, it all works, it's amazing, like, everything is there. Everything works, and everything is there. But can I tell you one thing? I didn't see God. Now, that's a big statement to make about Europe. And there are churches there doing incredible things. But as a whole, yes, I walked around a lot of cities, and I saw very little of Jesus. And that is why there's the call. And I could justify that now going, I need to go to missionary to Europe anyway. But I won't do that because I'm called to Musenberg. <laughs> for now, for now. For the jokes. Okay, so, yeah, so that was an incredible time, just spending time with Avert and praying with him, which was awesome. And then 
during the conference, there were incredible things happening. So I, I, I maybe undersold the conference. There was incredible preaching, but there was also deliverance. And there was healing. So in the one session, the woman comes forward saying, I've got a sore shoulder. I woke up with it. I don't know what it is. And uh, I think it's, a word, I think it's a, a word of knowledge. Has anyone here got a sore shoulder? So five people go up. I think three of them get healed immediately. The other person, I think, got healed later. And that was not uncommon. That was just like, hey, God wants to heal people. Let's do it. And then on the first day, we met a guy called Gary. I don't think Hike and I were ready for Gary. <laughs> Gary was from Scotland. He was Irish, but living in Scotland, and he was quite a wild man. Anyway, so Gary, the first thing Gary says to me is, I woke up four months ago in a hospital. I didn't know how I got there. I was like, that's fantastic, Gary. Like, what do you do with that? I don't know. And he's like, I went out the night after the football. I was drinking. I went on a bit of a binge. I was, I was doing drugs. I got into a fight. I fell over. I hit my head on the pavement. And I, I woke up in hospital. And a few months before this, he'd been to church to meet Jonathan Stansfield. And he was like, okay, I need to do something about my life. Because I'm 55 and I'm waking up in a hospital after fighting with people outside a nightclub. Something's wrong. And so he phones Jonathan. He says, Jonathan, I need to go. What do I do? And Jonathan's like, come to the conference. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously. <laughs> so Gary jumps on a plane from Scotland to the Netherlands, goes to the conference, and he's there, and he's like, I don't know why I'm here. Like, what am I, why am I here? Like, he told me to come, and I'm here. Like, God's, I don't know. Like, God's not doing anything. Anyway, it turns out that on the second last day, he gets delivered from about three demonic things, one being religion, and he comes into the last session and he gets on stage. He's like, I came to this conference thinking that I knew it all. And I'm leaving this conference realizing that I know nothing. Like God had so radically rocked his world and delivered him of things that had held him back for so long. And he's like, I don't even know why I came. I just knew I had to come here. And he left there free, a different man. Like wanting to move his whole family to the Isle of Man to be close to the church and be close to fellowship. So amazing. God is incredible. Like... There was a guy, another guy, a Dutch guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was a hardcore drug addict. He was being clean for a month, and he gets up and says, I've been clean for a month, and the whole church celebrates. And he says, I had my first prophetic picture. Now, for most of us in church, we go like, okay, cool, bro. Like, I've had like five million like, in my lifetime, whatever. But this was his first picture, and it wasn't even like a, a, a direct prophecy. It was like I had an image, and the church goes wild. Because God is doing something in his life. It's amazing. And I told you the story about Reuben who goes to the conferences wanting to get freedom in an area in his life. And he, he, the call is to come forward to get prayed. And he doesn't go. And there's this guy called Tommy who was praying for people. He's like, ah. Tommy actually left after the session. And so I think that was it. He's like, he, he wanted to get prayer. And before he could get prayer, he didn't go. And the guy who was praying had left the meeting and had gone back to Ireland. And so in his desperation for freedom, he's like, well, obviously I just have to fly to Ireland. Because I'm sure other people could pray for me, but I feel like God is calling me to go and for this man to pray for me specifically. So he gets on a plane the next day and flies to Ireland to get prayer. Now, there's something about that hunger and desperation for the things of God that is amazing. Like, and you, you just read through the book of Acts. And while I was there, I just kept having these scriptures of the book of Acts going like, this is what it is. And it's not because they're doing anything special. They just are baby Christians who trust God and have faith in Him for everything. So here's a question. When you're sick, what do you do? 
So you're all very spiritual. <laughs> but most of us will go to the doctor. I'll be honest, when I'm sick, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to the doctor. But actually, I should be going, okay, God, like, if it's your will, will you heal me? And then go, maybe, if, you know. Julian always challenges me. <laughs> always. <laughs> I've got a headache. Jules like, let's pray. I'm like, <laughs> I could just take an aspirin. <laughs> but it's awesome. He's actually right. He's like, of course, why don't we pray? Like, if anyone is sick, let him go to the elders and be anointed with the oil and the prayer of the righteous. Mm-hmm. Very much. Okay. So, um, yes, yeah, so there was all that stuff happening. Um, apart from the conference. Oh, and then, yeah, the deliverances, like, an interesting thing about the town of Odovata is it was a place where witches went in um, the old days. Then I went. But there was a thing in, in Europe where they would weigh witches. So a, a way of knowing that you were a witch is if you weighed nothing, then you were a witch, which really makes no sense. But the problem was is that you could pay a judge to rig the scales, so if I didn't like Debbie, I would go to the judge and go, she's a witch, here's 500 rand, make her wear nothing, and then the judge would go to the scale, and then, and then Debbie would be burnt at the stake. The what? No, okay, I didn't know that. But, but, so this town becomes well known for a place where witches go to, and, and then somehow it becomes this place, this, this center for witchcraft in Europe. And as you know, God's got a sense of humor. He says, well, let's have a revival in a town where they celebrate witchcraft in some sense. Like, it's a massive thing there. And so uh, this woman comes forward with her family who's been involved in the occult and new age and witchcraft. And at the conference, she's set free and delivered from the bondage of witchcraft. Like, and it just becomes like, it becomes normal almost. Where it's like, of course she would be delivered of witchcraft because that's what we see throughout the Bible. In the book of Acts, right? And uh, anyway, so yeah. So there was lots of that stuff which was happening, which is awesome. And uh, anyway, I think I'm running out of time, so let me end now. It's, a very, it's very much just a sneak peek of what's going on. Uh, so we, we finished the conference and we're about to go and uh, we have breakfast at Rich and Sue the last morning. We were about to, to leave to go to Amsterdam. And we with Bernie and um, Geeton, and we have one last coffee. And then we, we go to the station, and we're like, okay, cheers, guys. Like, it's been real. Um, and I'm like, no, this, like, we need to pray. Like, we need to pray. Like, and I, again, I had this, um, this scripture, which is in the book of Acts, about when they prayed for Paul. And Paul's about to leave the church, and they get together, and the, the church weeps. I was like, and I didn't think of that when I was praying. So I get, as I'm about to pray, I'm there, and I just start weeping. And I'm weeping, and I'm trying to, like I'm doing now, and I'm trying to pray. <laughs> and I'm trying to pray, and I'm crying. And then everyone starts crying, and I'm like, oh, this has gone so south for me. This is supposed to be like an awesome event. And I'm just weeping, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just weeping tears of gratitude for what's happening there. And I'm going, Jesus, thank you for this couple. Thank you for the sacrifice that they've made. Thank you for them giving their lives to the bride, for what they're doing, for coming with nothing. They literally went overseas with two suitcases, nothing. Like, we go overseas with, with like, containers of stuff. They left with, like, clothes. And I'm reminded of that scripture where they don't know if they're going to see Paul and Barnabas or Paul again. And I, I know I will see them again. 
But I think in that scripture as well, there was something of this, this knitting together of hearts. And when you leave, and when you, you leave that, you go like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to leave this because I, I love what you're doing here, but I know I've got to go. And it's this joy and sorrow and gratitude and everything mixed together. And we were literally outside of a train station in the rain and in the cold, in a little huddle. And everyone, if you, hadn't, if you didn't know what you were doing, you wouldn't know what you were doing. But again, there was this holy moment of like, these people are partners in the gospel. Like, I love these people more than I love my family in some ways. Because we are knitted together in our hearts. And I, I don't want to leave them, Jesus, but I know we have to. And thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And you just, you're reminded again of the call of the gospel. It is a massive call. Anyway, we get on a train. And then we head into Amsterdam. Uh, I've been to Amsterdam before, so I kind of knew what to expect. Um, but my beautiful bride um, was just... Um, Amsterdam's a beautiful city, <laughs> but it's very complicated. I don't know if you've been there, you know that. Like one minute you're walking and looking at a cool like shop, and the next minute you're confronted with like, what the heck? Like, am I saved anymore? And uh, we we walked we walked into this thing and we walked down the street and like after coming from this conference where there was just the focus was Jesus and spending time with fellow believers and loving the gospel, and we walked down this road and we just confronted with like the world. And you're reminded. This is why we are here. These people are why we are here. Like, I don't hate these people. I'm not disgusted by them. Jesus, you love them. And right now, they are not where they should be, but like, this is the call of the gospel. And you walk down the street and you see like red lights and people for sale, basically. And you're like, oh God. Man, the church needs to be in those places. As much as it needs to be in the suburbs. Because those people are displaying their brokenness, and the suburbs hide their brokenness. They don't want you to see their brokenness because life's good and you've got the good car. At least those people are honest and they're like, man, I'm at the lowest of the low. And that's what we're called to. And so I'll wrap it up there. But I, I think what struck me about the church in the Netherlands was the excitement for God excitement for the gospel, excitement for the gifts of the Spirit and what is going on, the excitement of seeing people set free and walking in what God has for them. And I think I was sharing, did I share with you guys? They've grown just exponentially. Did I share that now? Okay. And there's not anything they're doing, to be honest. They're not the best preachers in the world. They're not the best evangelists in the world. In fact, by all accounts, and I was reading in the book of Acts today, in Acts 4, they were ordinary and uneducated people. And that's literally what they are. They are ordinary and uneducated. But they have a desire and an earnestness to see God move in their time. And I suppose that's what challenged me the most. I don't want to get up here and go, well, we need to do this because this is what the church in the Netherlands do. Because after a month, you're going to be like, Dylan, I don't care what the church in the Netherlands are doing. Like, what, you know what I mean? It's like... There's no curse of comparison. It's just, this is what the gospel is about. And uh, I'm keen to, to, to kind of maybe preach, I don't know, I'll see what the Holy Spirit says, but I, I want to preach the book of Acts because I think, I think we can maybe just move, just more of the Holy Spirit, more of what he does um, 
in our congregation, more people set free, more demons cast out. You know, a lot, word and spirit. Can I tell you that my bent is always going to be word? I come from a bit, little bit more of a reform background. It's always the word, but I think, I'll say this, I think maybe as a church, we, I've led more towards the word and less towards the spirit. And I think, as a, I'll be honest, and I say as a church, let's, let's, let's find the balance right. Let's do it right. Yes, I love the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You can have a great meeting and you can have, uh, so here, here's what I thought. You could have a meeting where people are being prayed for, which is amazing, and something, whatever happens. And you go, that was a great meeting. The Holy Spirit was there, and he was. But that meeting might not be completely spirit-led. Does that make sense? Because I want to walk into a meeting, know that I'm attentive and listening to the Holy Spirit all the time, and that meeting is being completely spirit-led, and not just me allowing the Holy Spirit to come when I let him. Because that can happen quite easily. Okay. Let me not say too much more. <laughs> but I'm excited for what God's going to do.